morning, Hills Church. Good to be back with you uh, again. And Nathan will be back next week to continue his, uh, his sermon series on James. I know all of you uh, are enjoying that. Today I just want to take a, a small little detour uh, into another really practical area that begins in Exodus 15. Now you might be wondering what practical things could possibly begin in Exodus. Uh, I'm, I'm convinced that there is a lot that we can learn from the people of Israel as they start their little journey out to this, they leave captivity and they're heading out to this thing called the promised land, wherever this promised land is. Now, it's, it seems a bit foreign for us, but all of us who follow Jesus are on a similar journey. We're all walking a similar path. We used to live a life that was stuck in captivity. We used to live a life that was in bondage and misery, and God stepped in and did something, and now we've escaped. We're free. We have a path of hope heading to our promised land, and we're following Jesus um, to get there. Our escape only happened because God stepped in and made a way for it to happen. And I think along this, along this journey of, of life, we're going to come to little things like the people of Israel did, to these little intersections where we have to make a choice about how we're going to live. What, what sort of attitude are we going to have? And we will, that choice will ultimately be based on whether we trust God and whether we're willing to surrender ourselves to what he would say or whether we're not. Let me show you what I mean. This is Exodus 15 from verse 22, and it says, Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea. They moved out into the desert of Shur. They travelled in this desert three days without finding any water. Imagine that. They came to an oasis of Marah. The water was too bitter to drink, so they called the place Marah, which means bitter. Listen to this. The people then complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. I love that word, demanded. Now, just so you understand, God, my, Moses and the people have just seen God come through remarkably, not just once, but over and over and over again in the previous uh, period there. They've prayed for freedom and God's delivered. They've prayed for provision and they've walked out of Egypt with the collective wealth of the nation, essentially. People have been, been giving them stuff as, as they're leaving. They've managed to get down to the Red Sea, only to be faced with disaster again. Pharaoh and his troops are coming after them. They're stuck. God provides again. They walk across the Red Sea without even getting their feet wet. And then the start of chapter 15 says they, they stop and they worship God for what he's just done. God has just continued to come through for them. But notice this. They get to an intersection. Three days later, they're in the desert. They've got no water and they're frustrated because God doesn't seem to be doing what we thought he should. And you know, verse 24 says, the people complain and turn against Moses. Moses is the one that I guess that they deem responsible for what's going on. And then they start making demands about how things should be done in, you know, in future. The people are at one of these intersections that we've been talking about. And it can go one of two ways. It can either be an opportunity again for the, for the people to stop and in turn entrust 
and trust God, surrender themselves again to him. But for the people of Israel, what happens is it becomes the first step in a pattern of complaining and it just... And that rebellion ultimately at some point gets aimed at God. Okay? So our first point here is that complaining can ultimately be become directed at God. You know, you know I, I just want to explain this first. I, I'm not talking about a situation here where maybe you see some injustice in the world around you and things aren't right. Maybe some circumstances that you see... And in that case, it's entirely appropriate, I think, for us to take a complaint to God and ask that he might intervene or that he might be working in that situation. You know, in fact, it, there's, there's psalms of lament. There's a, a bunch of situations in the Bible where people take, they, they see wrong in the world. They see wrong, they see sin in their own lives and they take it to God from, humili- like from, a, like from an attitude of humility and they ask for his help. And, and, that's, and that's okay. I'm talking about a situation here where, where God has led his people to a point. He's asked them to be obedient, but then all of a sudden he doesn't seem to be coming through, and he doesn't seem to be doing what we think he should be doing. Now, that, that frustration can lead us to two different places. It can lead us back in humble repentance and surrender and trust again, or because of sin, it just becomes a pattern of complaining and grumbling that gets aimed at God, and it's usually from a place of selfishness. It's usually from a place where, where I know best. We know best, so therefore God doesn't know best. And we need to acknowledge, I think, that because of sin, it's going to always be far easier for us to turn and complain than it is for us to turn and trust. We're always going to go to complain. That's just where we're going to get where we're going to go. And when we come to these intersections, I think it's the it's really important that we check our own motivations. We need to check whether our motivations are honest and whether they're, whether they're godly. Because if they're not, what can easily happen is that. This complaint descends into a pattern directed at God and before we know it, we're almost fighting against him. We're almost fighting against him. And I guess there's a really clear warning in here for us, church, that we've got to be really, really careful that first we don't come to that position in our lives. But if we do, if we do, we need to stop and we need to turn around and go, I'm not going to fight with you, God. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to get caught in this pattern of complaining. Let me read Philippians 2 from verse 12. It says this, Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that none, no one can criticise you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Just, just, just remember the, the context of the passage here is probably important. Paul sits in a prison cell writing to 
a church, and he probably has, a, has some reasons to complain. I think we'd all agree with that. The church is, is struggling with, with disunity and grumbling, and he just tells them flat out, church, do everything without complaining and grumbling. And I think part of this is because he's, he's remembering, you know what, complaints don't work horizontally, they work ultimately at God. Every complaint on some level is directed at God. I think the reason, though, that Paul is so blunt about this question is that complaining really becomes something that doesn't happen once. It, it becomes a pattern. Okay? It becomes one of those things that just happens over and over. And the truth is that we have to choose to break it. We have to choose to put an end to it. Here's the problem with complaining. It's, it's not something that we, do, that we just do once and we start doing one day and we just... It's one of those things we just, we just continue to do. So one complaint here turns into another one there and turns into another one there and another one in this area and all of a sudden our life is just this, this complaint fest, I guess. We have these periods of time where, where everything seems to be going wrong and rather than look optimistically at what God might be doing... We're looking at things as though, what's going to go wrong now? And, and it becomes all we can do. It just becomes all we can, all we can do. If I go back to uh, my life in, you know, in police officer, Bill Wheeler, small town, we're thinking uh, after midnight, um, everybody's in bed, everyone should be in bed. There's two licensed premises in, in Bill Wheeler that are open on a weekend after midnight. And everything in the, in, in the country is really, really creative. Shout out to all the guys uh, up there. But there's, there's, there's two pubs. They're very creatively named. There's one called the Top Pub and one called the Bottom Pub. right? And they're, and they're one city block apart in two separate streets. And here's, here's what you do. If you're trying to keep an eye on all, on all, these, on all these places, what you do is you drive around one street, past the pub, you turn left at the next intersection, and then you turn left at the next intersection, drive past the other pub, then turn left again, and then just do it all over again. Okay? That's, that's what your world sort of, sort of becomes on a Saturday night. What's going to happen next? Okay? And often, I think, I think you know, it's, it's very easy to get stuck in a pattern, this is what I've got to do right now, whereas the reality is, I've got to break out of it and remember that there's a whole town to look after. I've got to remember that, the, that there are bigger issues at stake here than just this little pattern that I'm doing. And I, while you're in that pattern, all you can see is things to complain about. You've, you've got to break out of it. And I think God puts us in these intersections to keep challenging us to trust me and to keep on going until I tell you to turn off. Keep on going until there's somewhere... To go. See, the, the problem with this pattern of complaining is ultimately we're stuck. We're not actually getting anywhere. God wants us up here, we're stuck here. We're not actually moving anywhere that God might want us to be. And I think what we, in, in this pattern of complaining, we miss what God is trying to teach us now that will prepare us for the future. We just miss that completely. And it's something that with God's help, We've actually got to break out of. We've actually got to break out of this pattern. And here's the other problem with it. It impacts our outreach. 
verse 15. Do everything without complaining and grumbling so that, so that no one could criticise you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright light. If you were forced to spend time with somebody this week and you had to spend time with this person, who are you going to choose? Who's going to be the person that you're going to, that you're going to go to? You will always choose somebody who is going to speak life into your situation and encourage you before you choose somebody that complains about their, about their life and maybe all the things in, in, in yours. And here's the thing about, here's the thing about outreach. If, if, if somebody in your workplace or somebody in your, in your area of, you know, of life has, has serious questions about life, they have serious questions about these issues of faith and stuff, they will not discuss it with somebody who is stuck in, in a pattern of complaining. They just won't go to you. They will seek out somebody who is authentic, somebody who cares, somebody maybe who doesn't have all the answers, but somebody who genuinely seeks to live a life of hope. And as a Christian, I don't think you can do this. I don't think you can, you can stay stuck in a pattern of complaining over here and a pattern of hope at the same time. You can't stay in, in, in one of those places. You're going to be in one of them. You can't be in both. And my, I guess my point is we can't afford to be people who are unapproachable. We can't afford to be people stuck in that life of complaining because it's going to impact the way that we share hope with people around us. We're called to bring light. And I think, I think Paul's point here is so that no one can criticise you. I don't, I don't ever want us to be people who are known for things that are wrong rather than things that are right. We're called to be the light, not part of the darkness. And look, I've, I've talked a lot about complaining, haven't I? I've, I've talked a lot about complaining, and, and even though we might struggle with it, I think the reality is that none of us actually want to stay there, do we? None of us want to live a life... That is, that is stuck in this box when we know that there's something better here. And I think this is why God gives us these little moments. These, this is why God provides in his grace over the course of our lives over and over and over again. These little moments where he invites us to trust him for the next step. To change. His, how do we change? How do you get out of that rut? The answer's here in verse, I think, 12 and 13. It says, Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence, for God is working in you. There's the answer. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I know this passage says that we need to work hard on our salvation. We need to actually work hard to show the results of what God has done in us. And negativity and complaining are some things I think that we on some level as people have to take action about. We've got to actually be driven to change. But this is not something I'm convinced that we can just do ourselves. This is not something that we can just go... I'm, yeah, that's a problem, but I'm going to do better. I'm going 
I'm going to fix it. I'm, I'm going to make it whatever it is. The answer, is, the answer of how you change is this. God is working in you. God, by his spirit, is giving you the desire to live the sort of life that would honour him. That's the key. And here's, here's our intersection. To trust him and to follow him rather than see things that are, that, are, that are negative. God's spirit brings about that conviction in our lives where we realise that issue and we run to him to help to fix it. We run to him. The, the only solution that will work is asking God to change our heart. That's the only thing that will work. The only action that will work is us surrendering more of ourselves to the Spirit of God. We, we as Christians must be people who are sensitive to that voice of conviction every day rather than get caught in everything else. This, this is why this time with God each day is just so important. See, here's the, here's the issue. Um, the, other, the other point I, want to, I wanted to say is that proper perspective always brings gratitude. After three days in the desert, the people of Israel are ready to give up because they're focusing on the problem at hand right in front of them and they're not remembering what God's just done. They're looking at the issue right in front of them and they've got tunnel vision, if you know what I mean. They're looking at just that when their perspective is actually much bigger than that. And <laughs> rather, than, rather than stopping and actually deciding, you know what, I'm, I'm actually going to live in, in gratitude about what God has done and what God has promised to do. And I think if you live there, you live in a place of confidence. You live in a place of hope. You live in a place where you're relying on Jesus to change you. And that's, you know, I just, I just want to acknowledge that, you know what, this, this whole gratitude thing is never going to be easy. It's never going to be something that we just naturally um, come to. I, I sat yesterday, this week, with, a, with an elderly couple who had just lost a, um, a good portion of their house in a house fire. And I sat there and listened to them. I sat there and listened to them just, just talk. And I've got, to, I've got to be honest, as I sat there, and they were saying, you know, we're, we're so grateful for this and this. I was sitting in their shoes going, I'm not sure I could be that grateful right now. I'm not sure I could be that person. I'm not sure that's, you know, that, that I have the capacity to be that person. Best solution for complaining is to choose to live in that place of gratitude. Here's my challenge, church. This week you will find yourself somewhere sometime in that place where you're at an intersection. And you've got a choice to make about the easy decision is to turn left and keep going around in circles. Just to, just to go nowhere. The harder decision is to say, God, I don't understand, but I'm going to follow you. I'm going to walk with you and trust that you've got this. I'm going to listen to your spirit in my life. I'm going to remember what you have done in Jesus for me, and I'm going to continue to follow you when it's so easy to do the opposite. We've been singing this, this new song, Goodness of God, and uh, I, hope, I hope you've enjoyed it. I, I really have. And uh, here's, here's my prayer. Here, here's, my, here's my dream for us, that we'd be people 
who, would, who, who God would change our hearts to such an extent that we could say at every one of those little intersections these words. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I'm held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you've been faithful. All my life you've been so good. And with everything that I've got, with everything that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I, I wonder how much better our life would be if we started there rather than starting complaining. I wonder how much better life would be in our perspective of God if we started there rather than not. I wonder how much better our, our, our witness and our outreach would be if we started there. Please pray with me. God, we, um, God, we thank you today that you want to change our hearts. God, that you never, you never ever want us to stay the same. You're always working on us. And in, the, in your grace, that you give us these moments where you ask us to be different. Moments where you ask us to change. Moments where you ask us to, to consider what you want us to say. What you want us to do. So Lord, in this moment we pray that your spirit might speak to us. Help us to trust you. Help us to hang on and to, and to start from that place of gratitude rather than that place of complaining. God, that's something that only you can do. And we give you praise and glory for what you're doing amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen.